0: Okay. Welcome back to Firewall. As usual, I'm your host, Bradley Tusk. We are recording from the PT Network Studios at 180 Orchard Street. Hugo always yells at me for not mentioning it early enough in the podcast. So here we go. Check the box. Um, my guest today is Keith Powers. Keith is the majority leader of the New York City Council, um, someone who's just, we, we like a lot. And, you know, we're cynical about most politicians, and yet we like him. Um, and, and he has a, a bill on sugar that I thought was really interesting. So when, when I read about it, I just texted him and said, hey, would you mind coming on the podcast? And he was gracious enough. To do so, so f- thanks for coming.
1: Thanks for having me. And I, I you plugged the spot, but I, I'm sitting here, and I think it's awesome. It's More, right up the street, here on Orchard Street, very close to my house, by the way. So this is an easy easy walk. But also, just a kind of really cool spot that I feel like most people should know. Totally. So,
0: here. any listeners, if you're here and the bathroom is busy and you need to go, you can just go to Keith's house instead. He won't, he won't mind. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, so the the first thing I want to talk about was was sugar and like so. How does this happen? Is it like you're in a rush? You don't have time to eat at home. You grab a blueberry muffin, Dunkin' Donuts. You realize later it had 35 grams of sugar. And you're like, there ought to be a loss. People know this. Like, what, what was the origin story? This
1: was a, an issue that we had been talking about in the last session in the city council, mm-hmm. and actually the current borough president, Mark Levine, had been talking about a little, a little bit of, of advocates. But I always loved the issues, and Mayor Bloomberg did a lot of these issues, where you bring public health right to the front, but you do it in a way that's about consumer behavior. Consumer behavior. And I have that experience, where often you go into a store, a fast food restaurant, Dunkin' Donuts, and you get some food item that you no. think is healthy. Right, totally. And Sco- you, a scone or something. R- r- right. It turns and out scone is deadly. Scone. <laughs> <laughs> the, none, almost nothing you eat is good for you except for fruits yeah. and vegetables, I think, is the lesson in life. But we are New Yorkers and we run around and we make decisions every day about our health. And I don't think we really understand truly what, we're, what decisions we're making. Sugar is actually something I decided a while ago or I realized a while ago. I was eating too much of, I was putting into my coffee and, and other places where you just cutting that down it has so much benefit for your health. Totally. And so once again, I think it was. it's one of those issues where give New Yorkers information, let them make decisions, and I think they'll make better decisions. Yep. And we also are managing all those folks who say, well, don't tell me what to do. We're giving information. and then yeah, you can make you can like, what to do. So
0: explain to the listeners what the bill does. I think they've probably figured it out. Sure.
1: Bill, but yeah. So for fast food restaurants or any to-go locations that have uh, dozens of locations here in the city, it's not the mom and pop when you walk into, if this bill passes, when you walk into a Dunkin' Donuts or a McDonald's or anything like that, anything that has, any item that is over the recommended daily amount of sugar in that single item will now have a warning sign next to it. And that means that if you are going in and getting that salad, by the way, there's salads in some of the fast food yeah. restaurants that are packed with sugar, and that is over the recommended amount, smoothies. And out, smoothies. Yeah. Yeah. Even iced tea is a common item where people think, oh, it's iced tea, I'm not drinking soda, it's healthy, and then you right. realize it's you know, jam-packed with sugar. You go back for a refill, right. you're now twice over your daily amount of sugar. Right, the
0: daily allotment's what, like 30, 40 grams? It's
1: like 35 grams yeah. by the FDA. Some other places have uh, different standards, but that's the, that's the one we're using. Right. And when you actually take a, uh, a cup or take a coffee, like most people take two cu- sugars in their coffee. Right if you were to take the uh, over the lot amount you'd be putting I don't know like 15 16 17 using uh, half your lot right half there. your lot right there yeah well if
0: you have a coke that's it yeah that just it. wipe out the whole You're thing. over
1: yeah so the point is you should know what you're eating so you can make a better decision if you want to cheat that day you will know that you're cheating and you'll have better information but sugar is really bad for your health and I think amongst other items like sodium and, and calorie counts it's one way to make sure you make a better decision and it's in the quest for a it's in the quest to have a city that's much healthier. Yeah. And we know how much it intersects with other health, public health crises.
0: So what's the threshold by which something would have the warning? If it's right over the daily amount. So if 35
1: okay. is, a, I think it's 34, 35 is the amount. If you are over in that single item, it's, oh, there's a warning sign on it. Yeah. And, I, and the one example I use is that I think people, I see people every day in a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donuts walk in. They buy that Frappuccino yeah. drink, whatever it might be. And right there, the first thing you're having in the day, you have gone over. So now for the rest of the day, you basically, if you have to cut out all sugar, of your diet to stay within the confines. Right. So it's it'll have a warning if it's if it's over the daily amount, and that we think that lets people know that there's a he- heavy warning yep. about how much sugar you're eating in that at that specific moment.
0: So New York City did something similar with calories, um, couple, I don't know, about ten years ago, fifteen yep. years ago, something. Um, any data to show kind of how that's worked?
1: I think we've, I don't know that I have data on that. Um, I I know my anecdotal data, which is I have gone into many restaurants many times and seen what some healthy items look like when you sit down. Some restaurants themselves, like sit-down restaurants have it, all the fast food restaurants have it. Definitely makes me make an informed decision. Uh, I think most New Yorkers I've talked to have the same experience. They still might go for that item or they might take something off of the plate or they might change the item. Uh, But I think, and and the, the one thing to remember is like that's, Um, calories and people think understand that's the whole meal I think sugar is even more unique because or is unique because it's um, sometimes like sneaks in there
0: right and what's what's the since you propose this What's the awareness been of sugar? Are people saying to you, like, ah? thank God you're working on this? Or are people sort of not even realize it's a huge problem? It was,
1: the reception to it has been really fantastic. I had a few people who said, don't tell me what to do. And I said, I'm telling you what to know. Right. And that's the good news. But uh, otherwise, my colleagues really have latched onto it. They have been signing on. They're really eager to, I think, pass something like this. I think a lot of people like that intersection into public health where you are giving and making giving information and helping make smarter decisions. But uh, when we did the uh, press conference on it, even the reporters would come up to me, because we did a demonstration of how much we yeah, sugar we putting the sugar back yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And we had so many reporters even come up to us and say, it's kind of astounding that that's how much you're eating and drinking every day.
0: So, so the bill, when will it come up for a
1: vote? We're tr- scheduling it for a hearing. I think we're working on it. I think we just surpassed 34 sponsors in city council, which is a super majority, yep. And I think it actually triggers a, a hearing now. That's great news. And so we're trying to get a hearing scheduled for this year, mm-hmm. maybe maybe in January of last year, of next year, and then from there I, I would like to get it passed on early next year. I, I think not, not only are we in a constant healthcare crisis when it comes to nutrition and health, and so um, we're trying to uh, we're trying to. Get this right. passed as soon as we can, but the support has been climbing, and I think we're going to have a hearing soon, and then hopefully bring it up for a vote. And I would love to do that next year.
0: How quickly would it take effect after passage?
1: I forget exactly what we have in there right now. It's pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, there's obviously a period for people to adjust their menus and make some make some adjustments even to the items that are on the menus. Hopefully, to right. that to,
0: the would be even better. Yeah. Yes, that's right. right. I,
1: it's funny because there's a three there's a three pronged benefit. One is the initial introduction of the bill, where you actually get to inform New Yorkers exactly yep. what it is that on its own is a public awareness campaign. Then you do the menu labeling. And in the menu labeling, you might actually see some of the menus change. And that's because they may not want to have items that are over or items that are just over. Maybe they want to pull down to make it a little bit healthier. So that's the the good news of it. So who's
0: against the bill so far?
1: We have not heard anybody. I was actually, I was was waiting for a call from the sugar industry, whoever represents them. I was waiting for obviously the fast food industry or the beverage industry. We have not heard those phone calls yet. I think that there's a little bit of apprehension from some of the restaurants and fast foods about, you know, overlabeling on their menus. But um, and I've always tried to be somebody who can work alongside, you know, those who are impacted to make sure this works effectively. But right now, we have not actually. Heard yeah. a big Easy
0: way to avoid overlabeling is get it under the. That's true. The That's, mat, right. Right. That's, That's why. That's why I think
1: problem. we might see some adjustments. Is that people want to respond to this in a way that I think will assist their business alongside. Uh, meeting the goals. Of so, it. from a
0: broader standpoint, if you know, say, some libertarian I don't have a lot of those here in New York City said to you, "All right, Keith, yeah, let's just stipulate that this is a good thing, good idea, good thing for people to do, but this is not your business, right? Your job is not to tell private enterprise how to operate and how to what to do. You're way beyond the scope of government. What's the response to that?"
1: A starting point we have we have that ship has sailed in a tremendous way here in both in New York City yeah. and New York State and probably everywhere yeah. we we often are uh, looking at uh, w- ways to improve the lives of people including with this private businesses I also would say its a, it's a public health problem I mean it's a pri- it's, it may be caused by um, by a private the private business may be involved in it but ultimately the people that are dealing with the health care issues right. that result from it is, the new york city, right. is, is, is city and the government's
0: state. picking it up with medicaid and medicare and funded to- hospitals to- and everything else
1: in a tremendous way and it's getting it's getting more expensive the cost that we pay here in new york city for health care is going up the uh, across the country it's going up and so keeping people out of the health care system or out of hospitals particularly is a big goal of our government including our city government this feels like an easy way to do it by the way we're not mandating you can't sell this you can't sell that we're saying make a better decision so I hear the argument about don't tell us what to do. I, I think we've I think we've crossed that one a long time ago, and this one is a way to almost in, in, you know encourage versus mandate.
0: Yeah, better better decision making. Yeah. So let, let's take a step broadly and, and talk about New York City. So if you were someone that just reads the papers and you said how's it going, I think they would say pretty bad, right? Now the governor, the mayor have tried to sort of say, well, there's a lot of high profile crime, but not a lot of actual crime. You talk to your constituents all day, all the time. You, you live amongst them, right? What are they saying? How do they feel?
1: Number one issue is public safety. Yeah. And um, it's it manifests itself, or I say quality of life, public safety, because it manifests itself in a lot of ways. And it can be not an and you, you may not be the victim of a crime, but you may be in somewhere where you feel mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Some, something's off. It's a deterioration of just basic street life. It's what you're hearing in terms of high profiles, where you may not be threatened by it, but you know it's out there. I do think, look, I, I think I sat next to a, uh, someone, uh, like a real estate business leader recently at some event, and he said to me, it's not nearly as bad as the newspapers are saying, but we have a lot of work to do and it's getting better. And I sort of subscribe to that theory, which is I do think we're seeing some categories getting better, obviously shootings are going down and subway crime is actually getting better as ridership goes up. It's not where we need to be. And there's a, plenty of other issues that are still. Right. When you look at the crime statistics, are still deeply concerning, and I think it's going to take time post COVID to get ourselves back to the normalcy in the re- if if there is a such thing as normalcy these days, but get closer to it, in order to restore even the basic, sort of um, services that we need to have here in the city and stuff. Like but New Yorkers are it's, it's it's number one issue on New Yorkers' minds. Yeah. and what the mayor had a, a point recently, which was that all you do is cover you know six whatever yeah. millions of people who drive the subway every day and you only cover the three that happen. well right. there's two parts about that one is murders get covered in the newspaper yep p- period like yeah right but the, the one that, place i agree with the mayor and i think what he was really saying is like there's there's a lot of other stuff happening here and that never gets reported and it's not the necessarily what we would expect from the newspapers but when you see subway crime going down, uh, should that get covered in a yeah. better way?
0: Well, I, And yeah. arguably, I guess I could just call his conf team and say this to them, but what they should be thinking about is if you're relying solely on the fourth estate to get your message out there, that's a real problem, right? And while there's nothing about Donald Trump that I like, he figured out how to use social media and other forms to communicate directly with people. And I think these days, you know, if you're as high profile as the mayor of New York City, it's kind of incumbent on you to do that as well because he can complain all he wants about it. They're still going to put it on the front page every single time. That's right, and uh, that uh, com- completely right. And him and the governor,
1: the mayor and the governor, for instance, went out, I think, like a couple of days ago with their subway safety plan. I think they're going to need to continuously hammer both at the successes and victories of the plans they put forward and also be able to constantly communicate to regular New Yorkers. But it's a vicious cycle because, look, the... Uh, I mean, what I think everybody's saying without saying it is like you have the New York Post basically every single day within a very, I would say, aggressive uh, uh, plan for how they want to address some of the issues in the city and taking a very, I think, hard stance. And there isn't just to be that many counterbalances to that in other parts of the media right now in New York City. So that leads the na- way in terms of narrative. And there's a lot of people who, want, who are a little bit invested in knowing, believing that outcome, there's a lot of people who live outside the city who are not here but want to believe that outcome. Yeah, um, sure, it justifies
0: their, their commutes or whatever justifies the their, their life. They don't life. Life, yeah. Right. Yeah. To-
1: Totally. So it's a weird, it's a weird collapse of a few things happening at the same time. But there is a reality out there, and there's the perception issue, and they meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And on, our, on this
0: issue, I would argue more than any other. No doubt about it. Yeah.
1: Because it's the number one issue of so things like the newspaper, the newspapers, including the Post, every day. And now you have elections that are fueling that narrative yeah. even more. And you have national elections, by the way, where they're looking at pointing places in New York City and saying, and they're invested in ma- pointing the finger here. So we have a job, though, which is to clean those numbers up, to yeah. make the city safer. And I, I just disagree with a lot of my colleagues who want to completely ignore it, yeah. acknowledge exactly what it is, and govern from there. So,
0: do they want to ignore it because they just think that if they talk about it, they get tagged with the issue? Or do they want to ignore it because they think at the end of the day, the types of reforms that they're advocating for are more important than whatever happened short-term on crime.
1: I think, I think there's so much politics in this debate on both sides that it's very hard to find, like n- not surprised in the year 2022, it's hard to find somebody who can say, look, we have to do, like for instance, we need to get guns off the street, whether they're illegal or legal. We right. should be doing the, fighting the NRA against, could carry, concealed carry, and also be going after folks who carry illegal guns. Yep. Like they're equal threats they're equal threats and they can harm people. Right. I just don't hear Democrats saying that. They should be saying both, fight the NRA yeah. and don't allow illegal guns on I, tourist and streets. And
0: you never hear regular people, or at least I don't, um, talk about anything other than they want crime to be less and under control. That's right. Um, they don't talk about bail reform or stop and frisk or defund the police. Or and by the way, the people who do talk about it tend to be young, affluent white people, right? Not people of color, typically.
1: There's uh, well, there's a huge disconnect with I think certain communities and um, wh- where some of the representation is coming from on some of these issues, and I you have to remember like tw- Twitter itself is not a real life example of what most people care about, yeah. and I think that um, and this is where I also agree with the mayor often is like people want basic public safety, and they also want to know that the police department is going to have accountability in it, and that they're going to be held to reasonable standards for misbehavior. And it's very hard to figure out where the... Yeah,
0: and they're not mutually exclusive. It's not going to be perfect. And I do think that people really don't appreciate how hard the police officer job can be as a lot of just driving around but once it's once you're in something it's terrifying yeah. right you know
1: what's interesting though is i hear from a lot of constituents who are on on um, very pro public safety and 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 very sort of you know asking for more help on that front like they want to see you said the driving around they want to see actually more cops just yep. on patrol yep, actually yep. in the in the neighborhoods and they want to see like that presence in a way that's a little more visible to mm-hmm. them and they they ask for it all the time but to your point to your question I, I think that I think there's like a, a little bit of stubbornness on all sides right now to give up a little bit of ground to and to say here's where we need to make reasonable changes, right. and I, I say to like colleagues all the time like guns is a good example as I was saying earlier like that has to be a non-starter like you carry a gun in the city there have to be consequences for you. Right. You are putting so many people in jeopardy, there and, and the, where the inter, where the line is, is hard to find exactly right. where we should draw the line between like the reform side and the public safety. But it's a, it's a constant balance. But I, I think that I think that you know, when you said it, I think some of the people really are, and I I, I was there too. Like some of these reforms are really important. Yep. Doesn't mean you can't. You have to can't recalibrate or think about calibrating them, yeah. but you have right. to
0: kind of constantly right. calibrate. Right, you don't get the entire world right on the bullet points on the white paper you're right. writing. Right, It's you know, like Correct. it's a starting point, Correct. right? Um, so I had figured that the Adams administration would effectively come up with a new version of Stop and Frisk, call it something else, and roll it out, um, and that would help. Really, it's sort of arguably the most, even if it's unconstitutional, the most effective way to get guns off of people, right? Um, you surprised that they haven't done that yet, and and how do they get crime under control if they can't do something like that? Well, first of all, I think that the
1: um, I, I think it'd be very difficult right now, just po- just politically. I mean, they look the mayor is so much, and and the governor and whoever has so much agency over their agencies, yeah. so they can do a lot without the city council. Yeah, but it would even be knowing. it would yeah. be a, it would be a very hard political thing to do that in a public way that announced it because of all of the sort of history attached yeah. to that issue. Yeah. I, I think you will see them push to do more active policing in a way that does address some of the more basic quality of life things uh, than that you would see in the last administration or even the like past few years because of COVID and resource depletion and things like that. I think the first. Look, I think the first thing you're going to see a lot of is just sort of the res, resumption of quality of life things like sanitation and like basic maintenance of the city, yeah. that helps keep up the appearance of it, keeps people feeling like they live in a neighborhood that's not falling apart. Right. And then it's a trickier issue. But the the one that has I think everybody agrees on is a there's a mental health crisis here, and I think the one of the largest issues the mayor is going to have to and governor and all of us. Like, I shouldn't say no, I'm not part of that. Everyone, all of us are part of that. Is addressing that because that is where you have the most radical members of any legislative body in New York right now agreeing, maybe not agreeing so, as a solution. Well,
0: yeah, I'd say what what do you think a solution could be to that? Well, I mean, first of all, resourcing
1: actual places to uh, provide help and beds for you know mental health beds to people. I think the hardest and trickiest question is, what do you do with somebody who is completely disconnected and is standing on the street corner or on the subway train and mm-hmm. what sort of they present in terms of uh, uh, threat. But I do think those folks have to be brought to a place where they can So would,
0: would that potentially mean changing the law on involuntary confinement? It,
1: it might have to be figuring out what the strategy looks like around that. I have not looked at the law in yeah. a while to actually say uh, one thing or the other. But uh, I think there's going to have to be a, a, a clear plan, a clear strategy right. outlined about how we might uh, in, d- use those.
0: One thing I think the council can do, and this is as anecdotal as it gets, right? But generally speaking, local law 11, which is requires kind of building inspections on a very constant basis, which means the entire city is covered in scaffolding 24-7, so there was some scaffolding next door to my apartment building. It came out. It, it was finally removed. I don't remember when it wasn't there, but like two days ago. And all the homeless people on our block are gone because they want to be, of course, under scaffolding. It's, it's more protective. Um, it, I get that there's some union that does the repointing and touching on the buildings that give some of you guys contributions, and therefore you want to do their bidding. But like between the costs that you keep imposing on co-op and condo owners and buildings and landlords and the fact that the scaffolding is just another sort of impediment to safety and quality of life, can you do something about
1: it? We can. I actually, this is a a shoe I'm getting a little bit obsessive about. I, I, agree, I agree with you. I think it's there's no other city in the world where you walk around and you see green scaffolding or any scaffolding up like quite like New York City. And the reason is, as you explained, is we have a law that every five years you have to inspect your building, and you might have to put up safety measures like scaffolding in order to address those safety measures. There's plenty of buildings that can do that work quickly. There's a lot of buildings that need to take time to do that work, not to mention all the checkpoints within the bureaucracy that uh, that uh, holds you up from getting things done. I also have noticed, even with buildings in my district, that while they're trying to take down the scaffolding, there's all these issues about did they submit the right paperwork or not, and we have to spend time yeah. to actually untangle these bureaucrats.
0: Is that a matter of making the Department of Buildings less bureaucratic and more efficient is it actually repealing local law 11? It's a couple
1: things So we're looking at actually legislate. I'll, I'll, I'll make some news here there we today. Go. So right. I, We're actually looking at a legislative package right now that would address scaffolding okay. and there's a few different things one is looking at uh, the Exactly the law itself and yeah. whether it's working or not and it's one person raised to me. You put up a building today five years from now that building that got approved and checked is suddenly unsafe and you have to do local 11 work so maybe there's a way with new construction that we can look at yep. so we're looking at that
0: or drones perhaps
1: we I have a bill that we're doing that's related to drones inspections yep. Um, we did not script this out, by the way. You're just teasing me out No, 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 it. it's funny. No, we, we, I didn't even
0: ask you, you know, I didn't even raise my idea yet about drones that can detect guns as a way to replace stop and frisk. Interesting, oh, yeah.
1: interesting. Um, so, so using drones as a way to do inspections, there's some privacy concerns, yeah. obviously, about yeah. that. But looking at the use of drones, Looking at just the design of them themselves, there's newer designs that are much more aesthetically pleasing that actually open up the streetscape more. So the building, or the business rather, that's underneath there doesn't completely get clobbered by. Yeah,
0: and, and it just feels more more likely for crime, right? Like to- I have two totally. teenage kids and I didn't love them walking on our own block. But under the scaffolding Like it's just more likely something bad happens.
1: The most persistent issue I have in my district that's been coming up around public safety issues has been around scaffolding. Yeah. And we have been trying to do everything for years to manage the situation, but at the end of the day, we said we need, we need to get the scaffolding down, and we're sure. actually finally I'm getting glad the you guys are doing that. it. That's great. So um, moving the scaffolding down—it's just ugly, and it only on a rainy day are you really happy that scaffolding is there. But otherwise, it's just—it's smothering the small businesses. It's creating a little bit of a haven for behavior people don't want to have in their, you know, yeah. outside their buildings, yeah. and it's just—it it seems like an inefficient part of our city government where we haven't been able to. To so your point, though, it's not anything about unions. I don't even know who the unions are that do that. We're I assume
0: there had to be some special I, interest. No, you know it. what? I think it's actually just one of those really
1: dense, complicated issues that intersects the public safety part and the sort of complicated nature of the Department of Buildings. And I think most efforts who try to attempt it have been defeated based on the uh, sort of the safety argument. Right. But making them aesthetically pleasing seems like a winner using technology and drones seems like a winner. We have some bills to, to try to expedite the yeah, process. Yeah, just ma-
0: mandate you have to get it done in X amount of time or there's, you face fines, you lose your permits or There's two. There's
1: is. two bills. We're doing one with another council member that are going to be both sides of that equation before and after, yep. early and late, in terms of doing it. I, I would love to see this administration and us be able to do something on that. I think it would be another, you said it, like another win for basic effectiveness and maintenance cool. of the city.
0: And by the way, at least for the mayor's reelection, and I would argue for most council members as well, the election might be about ideology or personality, whatever it is, the reelect is just, is the city clean and safe and well run? It's just a referendum on your performance, right? And I just don't know how you, Get to the right place if you don't do things like this. That's right. We did, we did a package,
1: or we're actually passing a package of bills around rats and trash. Yep, yep, and yep. actually, one of the innovative solutions, and I would say it's it's the it's it's innovative in the sense that we should have done it a long time ago, and, and that I, I wish I thought of it is just literally changing the day, the time yeah, when sure. we put out the trash on the streets. Not, not a, not the, you know, anyone else could have thought of it, but we didn't think of it. Yeah. Councilmember who who's um, doing that bill, thought about it, negotiated with the unions that represent the building workers, and with them, they made an announcement last week in the New York Times and in, in a press conference that they're going to change the hours that was a good great precedent right. just
0: for the listeners what it means is trash will get put on the street later in the day so if it's out there for fewer hours it's less likely to track as many rats
1: that's right and we're going to pass some bills around composting to reduce food that's in those bags mm-hmm. so we're doing we did a package about trash and rats we're doing that package now i just introduced a package about a noise more work people working from home let's do something about noise and how we inspect and detect and enforce noise uh, the scaffolding bills. There's just a lot of energy right now about those issues that are on yeah, the periphery of, not, not crime, but also about the quality yeah, of Yeah, but they all play into each other. Yeah.
0: So so the other, I think, overriding issue at the moment is the migrant situation. But Let me just give you my taker question, and I just which is, yes, in the short term, it is a problem because people are here and you have to do something with them, right? Now, whether they're here illegally, whatever the consequence should be, forget it. They're here, you gotta do something. But it seems to me from a macro standpoint, this country and even the city desperately needs more immigrants, right? We need immigrants to do a lot of the jobs that Americans don't wanna do. We have immigrants with high skills that we, we need to bring in. Um, you know, the entire country's lifeblood has been immigration, especially this city more than anywhere else. I get that there's a short-term cost of where do you put these people and everything else. So it would seem to me, for people who would get through and out of the system quickly, as opposed to, say, the people who are mentally ill who won't go to shelters, I actually think this group's going to move pretty fast. So I just don't know that this is as big of a problem, as everyone else is saying.
1: It's, it's a problem only because of the governance power problem, which is where do you house people right now, what's the cost. There is—you you nailed it. There is, for the health of our economy and the health of our country— um, having uh, folks here is is a, is a benefit. Gotcha. They're going to you said they're going to move through the system quickly. It, it you know, it feels like it feels like it will help with some of the shortages we have in, yeah. in the industries right now in the city for its worth. I think the problem is you have Republican governors deciding to play politics with people's lives and sending them here yep. and creating an immediate emergency. What, what what are we going to do in terms of how are we going to pay for this and how are we going to solve the issue where to house people and then other pr- issues down. Downstream, which is employment issues, how right. we get people employed, schools. I have schools in my district. We're in, I'm, I'm, yep. I have a lot of density of, of, of folks in the hotels right now. that are yep. coming here. Yep. So schools. Uh, do we have the school seats? Do we have the funding for those schools? So there's always like downstream issues. But long term, I think it is part of. It's it, it's going to contribute to our economy. It's going to contribute to this country. I think we're taking a, a the big chunk of it right now, and it's for a political stunt. Like sending them yes. to Martha's Vineyard is a political stunt by any equation. like if you want to if you if you want to raise awareness of what's happening so you
0: don't think it's the number one destination uh, I mean, for I would for love to go to refugees <laughs> yeah.
1: when they made their list I really uh, want to go to Martha's Vineyard I mean I would love to go to Martha's Vineyard yeah. but um, but I you know it's 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 such a it's such a silly obviously political stunt that's popular with a big por- portion of people they're trying to be appealing to I get it but um, but it's not a way to deal with the real crisis and and look I think that the goal I think the goal of those folks was to make us look bad, and that look at the New Yorkers who can't handle this crisis and they're overwhelmed. And I think we've mostly uh, taken it on and taken yeah. on the challenge, so it hasn't made the, met the political yeah. stunt. Not, that. The,
0: not, not quite the payoff. At not the, qu- at not the, quite the payoff. So from a national standpoint, why not just significantly increase immigration levels for, for work? And then you still have people coming in, but at least you're actually, one, you can't, you can't get rid of them now anyway, and two, you could at least put them to good use.
1: Look, I agree with you. I think what the national Republicans have never realized or figured out, or they don't want to, I should say, is that there is a path to do something here, sure. and it is to uh, help our economy nationwide, as you mentioned, right. and also to be, be fair and reasonable to people that want to be here and to create a path and create sensibility around right. it. And they have it's, it's, a, it's a just a nonstop issue that they can go back to the well on anytime they need right. it. And it plays.
0: I think it plays. Yeah, you almost may need a Republican president to pass massive immigration reform, yeah. right? Who, Because who, once they get behind it, it changes it. Because you're right, there's always this notion of, okay, there's all the reasons why Democrats on the left like it, fine, right? But then, you know, from the right, business, right? The economy, all the things that Republicans are actually supposed to care about. Um, and so you see efforts, whether I know Bloomberg's done stuff, Schwarzenegger, Marco Rubio... So hopefully at some point, you know, they, they, they put this together. Um, let's put it over to the midterms, if you don't mind. So uh, here in New York, do we or do we not have a close governor's race? I think we have a close-ish close okay. governor's race. Okay. And what I mean by is you see a
1: polls with different numbers that show different things. I'd say the, the message we're talking about about public safety is right on the front, And obviously, Lee Zelton is running entirely on that issue and running against a a governor who I really like. I think she's a steady hand. I think she's sensible. And I think she has a lot of strengths. Uh, But that message is very hard for Democrats nationwide right now on public safety. And so it's going to be a difficult race. I'm still pretty confident she's going to pull out. I think they're really sharpening their message and I think they have to, I think that to close out pretty hard. Yep. And I think Lee, Lee Zeldin is um, is going to is going to keep coming and keep hitting, but I think they're going to sharpen those words in the next few weeks. Voting's actually starting like the 29th, I think, so yeah. this week. And so it's going to be close. I I think she will pull it off, but I think it's a little bit of a wake-up call to all everyone that they have to pay better attention.
0: Yeah, to I think it's a few things. So one is, look, the the good news for her is I think Zeldin has to go in up a couple of points. I remember in 2010, we supported um, Dan Donovan, Redford State Attorney mm-hmm. General. I'm not not it. But like, and Sienna had him tied going to the final weekend, and we lost by like eight or something like that. And it's because part maybe the Siena poll was off, but also just because there's no Republican infrastructure at all, right? So there's, so one is that the whole GOTVF from Democrats better be really good um, this time. And, and two, in a weird way, if she wins by five, let's call it, that may be the best of all worlds because it may. Put something of a moderating influence on Albany, so things like bail. All of a sudden, they're like, "Shit, we better do this, or we're going to lose our seats in two years." Um, yeah, so I mean, I think that's that's one. Thing. And the other thing would just be, and look, this is not so much you; it's definitely not me. But like, when the DSA is the only really vocal people out there, that becomes the public perception of the Democrats' position, and it and it is a a small minority, and b it is devastating, right? Yeah. It's hard to fight the crime thing by saying like, "Well, we think criminals are victims too," yeah. right? That is not a good well, message. And, and and by and by,
1: you know, ignoring it. And so I think that often people are trying to say, "Well, like the message of the we talking about earlier, which is, well, six million people ride the subway every day, and only three are making it into the newspaper. What about the others? Like, you just have. I think it's unfair too, but it is the news cycle, yep. and you have to operate within the news cycle, and you have to have a message that you know, that goes that goes to counter that message. I think that the other aspect to look at here locally is the the State Senate and a lot of congressional races that I think are going to be really, really tough. Long Island is going to be very, very tough with Zeldin, who's from Long Island, running and an area that has been tougher for Democrats. Laura Carr in the county executive last year, who was great, very moderate, very reasonable. She lost her race in surprising fashion. State Senate races there, congressional races, but also in all the suburbs and periphery areas can be really tough. And I think that's also going to be a moderating force, right. even if she wins.
0: Right. The Democrats, I assume, at least lose their supermajority in the state Senate.
1: Uh, it seems likely. Yeah. And, and I think people are going to see some of their colleagues that were sitting next to them not being there anymore. which is unfortunate because there's a lot of really important work to do up in Albany right now. But I think that and plus potentially a close governance race might bring some of these issues back into the yeah, conversation. That,
0: that could be great. And by the way, if you're Hoko and you're a moderate, you'd obviously want a much easier race than she feels right now. But overall... That might, there's a reason why Cuomo, for all of his problems, always wanted a Republican Senate. He understood that the moderating influence was actually helpful to him. Plus, he could pit the parties against each other. No,
1: and it's a big state,
0: and you have to you have to govern for people that live, you
1: know, all a, a long, a long far a time place yeah, away, totally. who are not who are not uh, DSA members in, down here in in New York City. They're right. they're probably moderates, and and but but you have to have a message that connects to people. And I think there's a lot around like. Um, uh you know a lot of issues that are are, are popular issues that you have to you know, have to spend time really delivering victories on and and pushing forward and creating economic security for people in the state and including the city and things like that and i think that that's what the if if governor Hochul does win, i think that's what she's going to have to spend a lot of time with and i think it may give her more agency or may, maybe more of a mandate to go do some of the things she yeah. wants to do yeah. but i think most importantly is um, is is getting through this like very tough election cycle, and then having a serious conversation about the state of the game here in, in the city and the state.
0: Right. Uh, federally, Congress. You have a guess.
1: It looks like it's getting harder and harder for the Democrats versus two months ago. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I'm not I'm not going to make any these predictions because I feel like, but I just I'm not that I'm not that hopeful right now yeah. as I was, I, and that's that's here locally too. I think uh, you know. It seems to have gone back to inflation and public safety and the performance of the president and other issues.
0: Well, and what's interesting is, obviously, Roe, Dobbs is a powerful issue and in a place like Kansas. I think everybody was shocked by the outcome of the constitutional amendment. But overall, the question that we've been asking is, what's more powerful leading into election day, gas prices or abortion? And I think the answer, unfortunately, is gas prices. And we're seeing that, and so races that would have been competitive, are now starting to slip away from the Democrats because they just don't have the, the the zeitgeist, right? I think the zeitgeist is ultimately what defines pretty much every campaign in the winter.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that the electorate has always has a way of remoderating is is, a, is kind of a moderating force, and I think in Kansas after the Supreme Court case, it was a huge surprise. Yeah. I, I was surprised by it. i remember yeah, watching the results and but the lesson here was a little bit like the supreme court was i think out of step with the american public and they learned and that was the lesson of it and then you saw in september and shortly after that i think polls moving very favorably into the democratic position because i think there was a kind of remoderating force going on but i think that has faded a little bit in the minds of people it's Definitely worth reminding people about where Lee Zeldin is on these issues and where people are on these issues because they are at a step with
0: the public. Right.
1: Uh, but but it's not going to be as powerful, especially when you have the economic forces coming
0: Especially also when you're in a state where you're at no risk of losing your access to it, right? So you still oppose it morally. It's terrible that women in the red states now have much harder time getting an abortion or can't get it at all. But it does it's not as directive of an impact. Whereas gas prices, unless you drive an electric car, um, then you're feeling them, right? In fact, I'm glad I drive an electric car. I don't even know what the gas prices are at the moment.
1: It's You're totally right. And, um, and here in New York City, I think you, or in, in the suburbs and everywhere, I think you'll hear, especially white men probably say that. It's like, you know, well, you're safe here. So, it's, you know, it's not that really New York City, New York State issue. And then they'll vote on whatever other grounds right. they
0: want to vote on. So let me just pitch you a couple of legislative ideas the majority leader, and no. I I've got you sitting here. Yeah. So on the way over here for my lunch, there was a young woman crossing the street while looking at her phone against the light, and a taxi almost hit her and missed her by like, it seemed like a couple of inches, let's call it a foot, uh, which she then probably gave the taxi driver the finger. I think he actually saved her life. but. Um, We seem to have two two problems. One is sort of a safety problem, one is just a frustration problem. So the safety problem, the texting while crossing the street, like my kids, I'm always yelling at them about that and always lecturing about that. I would love to see NYPD give out actual tickets to people who do that um, simply because that can help change behavior and it's insanely dangerous. Thoughts on that one? I think it's just hard
1: to enforce. I think that I mean, it's just like jaywalking, to me, right. it's the modern jaywalking is jaywalking. But now your phone's in your hand and you're down, you're out. Um, I think there would be a resistance to adding new fines in for things like that because there actually our bills in the council right now. A bill I think in the council to repeal the fines for jaywalking, for instance. Your thing, your I let, think actually this is more dangerous. It is more dangerous. Yeah, it is more dangerous. Um, I don't know. I, I do. I do it, so I'm I'm a little hesitant
0: <laughs> to don't say. Be like
1: no, you, yeah. I actually I actually have gotten a lot better at it. Right. But I think we're always you know, all in a hurry, and it is nothing New York like you know cursing at the person who just hit their brakes to save your life. Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. Um, and then this one would be even harder to legislate, but this would require more of a social normative change. But there are times when we walk down the street and we look at our phones. By definition, we're moving more slowly. There are times where we're in a rush and we're really annoyed because someone in front of us. Is on their phone and moving really slowly. Could we just create an etiquette like walk on the left if you're going to look at your phone, and walk on the right if you're not? Kind of like the escalator, just just to make it easier for everybody. I I do think we could. I think that's actually
1: somewhat easier in the sense that you don't have to commit resource to it. But you probably could get uh, uh take this to social media a bit yeah. and and build a little bit of escalation for that. How to how to walk down the sidewalk. It is. I walk. I walk. As I, I'm probably one of the fastest walking New Yorkers. I, I fly. That, well, that's, that's a claim. Yeah, I, we'll that it's, it's crazy. Whatever it's contest. an insane claim. Yeah, but I walk very fast. And um, uh, I find, you know, it's, it's so frustrating when people are walking in front of you and, and don't know really how to. And it's usually it is usually people that are from out of town. I don't want to pick on them only, but you're just kind of strolling down there. So I would love to see something like that. And so I'm gonna. This is gonna be the start of the. Uh, walk on the left side if there, you're walking slow. There we slow go. Campaign. The movement the was born here. That's PNT right. Network, October 2022. I, I, hate
0: to, I hate to break it to you, Brad, okay. but sidewalks are two ways. So I think walking on the left side doesn't really solve the problem. Oh, you're right. So, so maybe we'd have to also well, get people I, to.
1: I think there's awareness. I think awareness that it's to know somebody's behind you, or or if you're especially if you're walking slow. I think a little bit of you know, awareness to have uh, your head on slope a little bit. Unless you want to go really crazy and say that one side of the side, of, unless you want to go, well, you know, that south and north sidewalks.
0: Oh wow, that would be that would be truly. Yeah, that's, that's really. But that, well, that, no, that, maybe that yeah. feels
1: like uh, in Seinfeld when they there was an idea, oh. a joke, to wear the name tags. So yeah, or when it.
0: Kramer wanted to make the, the lanes like on the LIE more spacious yes, yes. and comfortable, so yeah. he repainted
1: them. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. sounds like this is a crazy idea. It's going to probably get me unelected. But uh, exactly.
0: okay. um, second one would be it just seems to me that. You can spend money on anything online in a heartbeat, and yet you want to cancel a service or anything. It's impossible. You got to call. They have a whole, you know, psychological study that McKinsey has done or whoever to talk you out of it. Shouldn't it be if you can buy it online, you can cancel it
1: online? No doubt about it. And the issue where this came up the most, I have a bill on this in the city council, which is about gym memberships. Okay. Because the most common complaint. And it's remarkable once you start looking at it. It's not just the big one guy, one chain or another. Gyms make it impossible, impossible for you to cancel your membership. I have a bill in the city council that I I believe in. uh, uh, Brad Hoylman and somebody else in the state actually passed theirs to require that gyms have to offer an online uh, way to unsubscribe. And, and, and it really actually came up during COVID because people couldn't go to the gym weren't right. going to the gym but we're still paying we're for paying, that gym yeah. membership and if you're like me you pay for your gym membership and you go not enough yeah. and so when you finally decide you want to do it they make you often go into per go in person or send certified mail now certified mail should not be an option like a required option these days no. in, a, anywhere or go in person which either go in person has to be a psychological thing which I'm yeah. going to go in person I'm going to go work out
0: Right. I'm gonna go, well, like, or at least it's in person, and they're really nice, and, and then they going to talk to you. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think then I think some of the chains have a have a whole role here, which yeah. is to talk you back into it. We'll give you a free month. We'll do this. We'll do that. And you say, okay, I'm not paying for it anymore. I'll give you a reduced rate. And so that was remarkable. And I was I was taken away when we started talking about this because we started getting complaints. I think before COVID, but then COVID really brought yeah, it up. Yeah, right. And New Yorkers were so mad and frustrated, but like it's a new such a New York issue because everybody goes and get a membership, membership somewhere. They don't use it a lot. They kind of want to cancel it. It's a it's a pain to cancel. So they like keep paying it. Right. And and by the way, it's the same service with uh with cable. Yeah, I was t- actually trying to totally. change my cable package, take channels off of it recently. Yeah. you can only add them you can't, you have to call right, in yeah, and pick exactly, them up. Exactly. And I predictably have too lazy to, uh, these days to call yeah, in, too yeah, busy even, not. to call in and do it. It's, right. So
0: yeah. m- maybe there's a way. And then the third one is kind of related. Maybe these are all fcc types issues. But um, the no-call rule uh, for spam and marketing is great. And I think over time it has worked really well. But society has shifted to the point where people don't use their phone to talk all that much. Is there a world where we can get these for at least text, if not social media as well? To get the the spam off of it. Like I oh. can I get from because I'm you know I donate to candidates all day, every day, these things and I just type stop and it goes away, but it's still like the message doing it. Then I've type stop. Then there's the confirmation that I type stop. And it's like can we just can I just put myself on a list not to bother me?
1: I agree with you. Even as a lot, you know, I'm probably the only elected official in America who would say <laughs> yeah. take away our right to. It's getting it's getting obnoxious, and it's getting obnoxious in your email on my phone all the time. I I know I know because I'm an elected official how I ended up there. It's either yeah. giving money or just you're on a voter file somewhere yeah. and yeah. you're registered to vote. But I don't know they being registered to vote. You know I do think there's kind of a sense these days of being in your mailbox and being a little dormant until you pick up your mail seems a little bit different than. Getting it on your your uh, your phone, right? Your phone's
0: much more immediate. It's right.
1: immediate and it's right in front of you, and it's it just feels like increasingly annoying. And um, I'm getting so many these days that I'm I've really joined that effort. Yeah, which is,
0: and I would say the other part of that, if you end up is um, you click you go to the trouble of unsubscribing and it doesn't unsubscribe you, like that's infuriating.
1: Uh, there is some that is the most infuriating. The the Democratic Party right. does this to me all the time. Right. Not only does sometimes there's an option where you go to unsubscribe and it's actually like not just changing your subscription or it's like doing yeah. something. that's, yeah. But second is I unsubscribe all the time because I'm getting so many emails and I just keep, it just keeps going. And also I think they, there's like seven or eight email lists that I'm on yeah. and and it, that from it's the same person. Right. They, but if
0: there were a rule like you sign yourself up, they can't bother you, and they all have to check that database before doing it. Then you've got a standardized system.
1: There. there is a way to do it because I think people are frustrated. I just don't think there's. It's a mostly a federal issue to do it the yeah. way yeah. the, the way you really want to do it. And I don't see a lot of people giving up their ability to contact voters because it's just part of campaigning these days. But I would be okay with it. I think it's. I think it's extremely annoying. To annoying. It, yeah.
0: Good. All right. So congrats in advance on the sugar thank bill uh, let us know if you need any help on that and then look forward to having you back talk about how we repeal local, repealing local 11 and making sure that we can now cancel cable subscriptions online or all kinds of good stuff so keith thanks so much for
1: thank you this. thanks for having me this is great